finally time for the Friday Night Morning Show with Angelica, Jesse, and Kevin. Happy Friday. Good evening. Welcome to the Friday Night Morning Show. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Busy week. We've got Dems leaving the party. Bud Light gets a new spokesman. The White House released a report on the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And of course, we'll have to talk about the Trump indictment. I'll show you how this all comes together in our new American police state. Wonderful. Wonderful. We are in a police state, people. No, absolutely no doubt about it. As you can see, Angelica and Jesse are not with me in studio. Sorry. <laughs> They're taking a well-deserved vacation. After the record-setting snowfall this winter, they definitely needed a break. So you get to listen to me ramble on tonight all alone. Sorry, but that's the way it goes tonight. They may join later via phone. I don't know. We'll see what happens I, I know they're traveling. I know they're doing some fun stuff together on their own. Uh, we'll we'll kind of play that by ear, see if they call in. I'll try to get them on board here and chimed in, kind of like we did last time when I was all by myself. They called in. And, of course, I've got you folks. Please, please feel free. Join in. Type in the chat. I will definitely uh, be able to answer questions here. Although I am a one-man band, I'm all by myself trying to run all the technology. I've got the computer stream going over here. I'm, I'm watching questions over there. I, it's, it's a little bit of a madhouse here for me, but I'll muddle through. I, I thought it was more important. We get the show on with just me. I, I know it's a little bit of a disappointment without the other two here, but you know, it's, it's more important that we talk tonight. There's, there's lots, lots going on and we need to, need to pick this stuff apart. We need to talk about it seriously because some, some dangerous things, some dangerous precedents being set, some very, very terrifying things happening in our world, in our country. And, and we should talk about it. You want to hear about it? I want to talk about it. So let's talk. Let's get dove in here, right? North Carolina State Representative Tricia Cotham has left the Democratic Party, citing continued disagreements with party positions. In other words, she thinks the Democrats have lost their mind, and we agree. This is, they absolutely, you can't keep up with the insanity anymore. It, there is too much insanity, and like we've talked, it, it's a lot of distractions. A lot of this stuff is to distract you from what's really going on, and, and we're trying to hone in here and stay over a target, but oh my God, it is insanity. Her defection to the Republican Party gives the Republicans a super majority in the North Carolina House as well as the Senate. So they're, they're, they're veto-proof. Uh, they, they can enact what they feel is best for this country. And we remember not too long ago, Tulsi Gabbard left the party. She didn't necessarily become a Republican, and I don't think she's a Republican. She has very Democrat ideals. I mean, I guess I don't know how else you explain. There's a lot of socialism going on in her mind as well, but I don't think she's on board with the insanity that you see out of the Democratic Party today. So I, I don't know what you'd call her. Uh, she's not really an independent. She is an independent-minded. 
She is definitely a left-leaning type of person, but she has officially left the Democrat Party because of their insanity. She called them warmongers and a bunch of other choice names. It was kind of fun to watch, actually. But slowly, slowly, folks, this is a slow process. We are seeing people wake up to the fact that socialism is evil. It is pure evil. And the further down the road we get, the more and more people are waking up to that fact. I just pray to God they're going to wake up to the fact before it's too late. I, I mean, the things we're seeing today are oof, scary, scary stuff. In other news, the White House released a report this week on the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Now, of course, they blame Trump for this fiasco. I, I have no idea how this was Trump's fault. Biden was solidly in office. Um, it was it was Biden's call. We all know that Biden's not actually making calls for himself. He was told to do this, but how on earth could it have been Biden's fault? Or I'm sorry, how it could have been Trump's fault? Trump, how, how did Trump have anything to do with this withdrawal? But Biden says so, so it must be true, right? If you you listen to the left wacko nut jobs, hey. Biden says it was Trump's fault. It must have been Trump's fault. You know how evil he is. He's in the background and he's doing evil things still. That's why we have to go after him. Speaking of Trump derangement syndrome, we all saw this week as former President Trump was arraigned in New York for falsifying business records. We talked about this before. Um, you, you guys know how... I feel and how Jesse and Angelica feel about Trump. It, Trump is the former president. He's not a knight in shining armor coming riding in on his stallion going to save us all. If you continue to think that Trump is the, the savior and, and is just going to flip a switch and get us out of this nonsense, you, you, you can't continue to think like that. Did Trump do good things as a president? Yes, absolutely. I agree with his policies. I agree with his positions. But Trump as a person, now, now this is my own personal opinion. I, I don't think he's a very nice guy or, or he, he may be very, very nice to his close friends and family, but boy, I, I gotta think he's uh it's got some narcissism going on there. If it, That's just me looking in from the outside. I mean, and I, I've got a little bit thicker skin, I guess. Mean tweets don't bug me. I, I don't care if he sends mean tweets. I don't care if he ridicules somebody. I don't care if he attacks his opponents. I kind of like to see people getting attacked that are way out there in left field. You need to attack these people. I'm, I'm not talking physically now. Don't. Don't try to construe my words as somehow I'm advocating for violence or something. I am not, absolutely not advocating for violence. But in, in a political attack sense, in a philosophical attack, you need to attack these people. When they're spreading lies and nonsense, you have to go full force and, and throw everything you can mentally, politically, philosophically at them to counter their attack on you. And that's what Trump does. 
he he holds nothing back in his uh, fights, I, I guess you'd call them. You know, we know this is complete nonsense. D.A. Bragg had to bow down to his overlord Soros and get Trump for something. But there's a bigger picture here. There, there's more to this that I want you to think about. What's going on is absolutely terrifying. What we're seeing today is a political opponent of those who are in power at the moment. We are seeing this political opponent being persecuted as he has announced a run for the presidency. Now, the Dems claim, the socialists claim, that no one is above the law. I've heard that over and over, and Pelosi claiming we have to prove our innocence now, because no one is above the law. But yet, Hunter still runs free with absolute proof of drug use and pedophilia on his computer. I, and we've seen it. It is absolute proof of Hunter Biden's crimes on his computer. We have business partners of Hunter Biden's with testimony, sworn, basically videotaped testimony of their crimes. So no one's above the law. Biden goes untouched with video evidence of his illegal influence on a foreign investigation. Remember that? He, he bragged about the fact that he called up president of Ukraine and told him he had to switch a prosecutor out because they were investigating Hunter Biden and investigating the, the Biden family, all the nonsense and the pay you know, pay schemes and the money laundering and the this and the that. I mean, he literally called him and said, if you don't switch this prosecutor out, I'm cutting off your funding from the United States. Now, is that not an admission of a crime? <laughs> I mean, it, he, he absolutely admitted it. He bragged to people that he did it. But no one's above the law. No one's above the law. Bragg's trying to claim that Trump committed crimes in furtherance of another crime. And that other crime, uh, another crime of violating federal election law. That's, so what we have is misdemeanor charges of falsifying business records. That, that's what he claims Trump did. Now, there's a, lot, there's a lot to be said that he did not, in fact, do that. In, in fact, there was, we showed you that memo last week, a couple weeks ago. We, we showed you the memo stating that the payments by Cohen were his and his alone. But yet, Bragg is trying to say that he falsified business records, claiming these payments were uh, retainer fees to Cohen and that was somehow a falsification of business records. So now what he did is he takes this, this falsification of business records, which is a misdemeanor, and again, only has a two-year statute of limitations. This occurred back in 2016. He takes that and says he committed those crimes in furtherance of another crime. So that, because of that, it elevates the crime to a felony. Okay, so we elevate to a felony, 
it's still only a five-year limitation, statute of limitations. Five years. By all accounts, every statute of limitation is up on these crimes, but let's, let's not talk about that yet. Let's go on. There's a really, really big problem with this. So we have a crime committed in furtherance of another crime, and that's the only reason it becomes a felony. <laughs> Federal election officials have stated very, very clearly that no violation occurred. Now, let me, let me say that again. The federal election officials, these are the people that make sure people follow the election finance rules. Federal election officials have stated that no violation occurred. I don't know if you count that. that there's no federal election violation. There's no federal financing. There, absolutely no violation happened here. So, So how can Bragg assert that Trump committed crimes in the furtherance of a crime that did not happen? (laughs) How? how? I don't get it. If if you committed these crimes in the furtherance of another crime, but there was no other crime, then how did you commit the crime in furtherance of it? It, it, You can't have it. It can't happen. (laughs) I just don't understand that. But again, it's in the papers. So it must be true, right? It's all kabuki theater here. It's all political persecution. This is the Democrat socialist playbook. If you disagree, they must silence you. And the bureaucracy and the justice system will be weaponized against you to accomplish that. We've seen that right here in the state of Minnesota. Uh, we had exactly the same thing happen when Dr. Scott Jensen dared to speak out against our local Hitler uh, walls, he, he was persecuted by the bureaucracy. Um, <laughs> there's just no two ways about it here. Seem to have had a little technical issue. Can't see what I, my notes, which I had up on the screen a minute ago. So let's see what's going on here. So Dr. Scott Jensen, um, he he dared to go against Walls, our, our current governor and the former governor. He dared to speak out against him. And trust me, Tim Walls, our local guy, is absolute little Hitler. And so because of this, in payback for speaking out and running against Tim Walls, He was run through the gauntlet of the state medical board and had his medical license threatened. Understand this man, Dr. Scott Jensen, he's, you can find him on YouTube and watch his videos. This man is a renowned doctor in the state of Minnesota. Not even counting the fact that he he was a good politician. He's a former state senator. He had some very, very good ideas for the state of Minnesota. I supported him from the very beginning as a delegate, as, you know, at my precinct caucuses, I supported Dr. Jensen. So I'm going to be very upfront with my bias. I think he's a great guy. I think he would have been a phenomenal governor for our state. But this guy is renowned as a doctor. His patients absolutely love him. And he actually won doctor of the year in the state of Minnesota multiple times. They, they pulled, pulled out the, uh, 
pulled all the bureaucracy against him. Uh, Keith Ellison, another psycho-socialist Democrat, attorney general for the state of Minnesota, wife beater in, in charge, he, uh, he pulled no punches, went after Dr. Jensen. Now, understand Dr. Jensen's, uh, I think I updated you guys before, his, uh, he, he had all of his charges. The, the case was dropped. It was dismissed. I, I don't know. It's at the medical board level. It's not exactly a legal thing. He had to go before the board. So I don't know if it's called a case of, you know, what, what it is. Not criminal, but it was dropped. And his, his license is, is, is still intact now. Now understand this was the fifth time that he was investigated at the state board level. The first four times were because he asked questions about, he dared to ask questions about COVID, but that's, that's a whole nother manner. I mean, it's, it's part of the police state we're living in, but uh, yeah, Becky, I totally agree with you. Scott, Scott Jensen should be our governor there. I, I don't know any other way around it. I hate to talk about election cheating right now, but it, I don't know how it, he wasn't. I saw more support throughout the state of Minnesota for Scott Jensen than I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I go a lot around the state a lot. I do a lot of traveling. I go to friends' cabins up north. I go up to the Boundary Waters every summer. I travel around this state, and I saw Scott Jensen signs everywhere, everywhere, even in the cities. I would drive down to the cities. And we call it the, the twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. I hate to use colloquialisms here because I know not all of you are from this area, but I, we call them the cities. It's the Twin Cities. And when I would drive down there, I saw Scott Jensen signs all over the place. Everyone I talked to, all of my friends, e even people out in the suburbs here that I know are not necessarily conservative. They're a little more independent-minded, maybe a little bit left-leaning. They were even saying that they loved the guy and, and they were probably going to vote for him. I don't know. Maybe they're lying to me, but I cannot believe that he did not win. And <laughs> Becky, uh, no relation to Keith Ellison. I get it. I'm not going to say your whole name on the air, Becky. I, I don't want to dox you like that, <laughs> but uh, Becky, thanks for the comment. In other news, I'm going to move on. We, we do a whole night on the situation with our election, uh, with our you know, what's happening in that. And that's, that's a whole, whole nother night. Holy cow. Uh, just checking the comments here. We, we've got some people making comments. I appreciate the comments. That helps. Helps. This is a two-way street. I, I love you people talking to me. I really appreciate everyone that's subscribed on Rumble. For those of you watching on Facebook, welcome. Welcome. That's kind of a new thing. We've, I've got some other news later I'm, I'm going to drop too, I guess. Stuff we're working on here, I'm really excited about. But let's get back into this here, getting back to the the news of the week. Bud Light has themselves a new spokesman, in case you missed it. I, I don't know how you could have missed it. It's all over the news. Bud Light has partnered with transvestite influencer Dylan Mulvaney. To say the backlash has been bad would be an understatement. Kid Rock posted a video expressing his feelings about the 
Bud Light when he took an automatic weapon to a few cases of the brand and he stated, fuck you, Bud Light. Fuck you, Anheuser-Busch. In case you weren't aware, Anheuser-Busch is the parent label for uh, Bud Light beer. They also make Bud, Budweiser. Um, so Bud Light is one of their products. They are owned by a company called MBEV, which is not even an American company. So, I mean, you know, Anheuser-Busch, it's not even an American beer anymore. <laughs> I mean, it is it's made here. I mean, it's still in St. Louis. Is They're probably the, the corporate headquarters for the Anheuser-Busch division of MBEV. <laughs> and they've got breweries scattered throughout the United States where they actually brew the beer. So it's still made here. Americans are making it. I, I get it. But it, when that sale happened, and it was a while back now, it was a number of years. I can't even remember how long ago it was. But yeah, Anheuser-Busch was the, the Bush family that owned them is uh, sold it off to MBEV and took their millions of dollars and their, you know, trust fund babies now. <laughs> Becky. Becky's husband was a Bud Light drinker for years and years. Came home with a case of old Milwaukee. Old tennis shoe. Boy, that brings back memories of high school. Oh, man. Old old Milwaukee. Hey, good on you. Good on you. I personally, I drink Mick Golden Light when I drink beer, which is not very often. I'm generally a, a bourbon guy. But if I drink beer, I'm going to drink what we call Mick Golden Light. It's Michelob Golden Light Draft. And this is not Michelob, for those of you, or Mick Light or any of that. We have a thing up here in the in the five state region. It's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Wisconsin. We have a brand called Michelob Golden Light or Mick Golden Light, as it's everybody says. Or you could just order a Mick Golden and you're going to get what you want here. And it's insanely, insanely popular. Uh, the story goes that a number of years back, Bud Light was not doing as well against. Miller Lite in this area. Bud Light is the one of the flagship brands for Anheuser-Busch as we talk, but it wasn't doing very well against, you know, Miller Lite or, uh, you know, Miller had a draft beer, they called it, and Bud Light just wasn't competing. So they came out with this Mick Golden Light and it was insanely popular in this area. I mean, just unbelievably popular. I have been in the industry. I know when you would do your beer order for the week, you would figure out how many uh, cases of other beer you needed, everything else put together, double that. And that would be your Mick Golden Light order because it literally sold every, outsold every other brand two to one. I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly how I figured out the beer order every week. So, but the only place you can get that stuff is here. And that's been my my beer of choice when I drink beer for years and years and years. Well, guess what, Anheuser-Busch? Because Anheuser-Busch makes it. I'm not ordering that stuff anymore. I, I personally am not going to drink your product because of your woke crap. And, and I don't give a rat what the woke, you know, topic du jour is. Transvestites, homosexuals, uh, homeless people. If, if you're going to sit there and pour all this energy into some woke crap for the sake of 
virtue signaling, I, I'm going to abandon your brand. And, and I'm sure you're going to say, oh, we don't care because, you know, you know, we don't like this show anyway. We don't care if you drink it or not. Well, guess what? There's a lot more of me than you think. That's <laughs> all there is to it. it. It was a bad move. Travis Tritt has dropped the beer from his tour. Do you think they sell only a little bit of beer on a country music tour? For, I understand. I understand Travis Tritt is not as big as he used to be. But come on, there, he's playing to a lot of people. And if you can't, if his tour won't even buy that beer, you're losing sales. You're losing sales. John Rich from the band Big and Rich fame has denounced the beer and will no longer serve the brand in his bar. <laughs> so now we're not even going to buy the beer to sell at our bar. Nope. Forget it. When I do my beer order, no, Bud Light, none. Zero. Somebody comes into the bar and says, I want a Bud Light. Yeah, too bad. We don't sell it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't get it. Why on earth would Bud Light want to partner with this idiot? I don't know if you've seen this, this fool, this clown, this child playing make-believe. That's what he is. He's a child playing make-believe and Bud Light has partnered with him to be a spokesman or brand ambassador, whatever you want to call it. It's a child and he does not represent their band, their brand, excuse me. They, Dylan Mulvaney does not represent the Bud Light brand. He doesn't embody the brand. It's not their target audience. Come on, Bud Light's a blue-collar working man's beer. Why on earth would they do this? I don't think they had a choice, people. <laughs> now, I, I'm not defending them. Not one bit, don't get me wrong. I am not defending Bud Light. But follow along with me here. I'm going to put the pieces together as we get towards the end of the show. There is a sickness that is at the root of these things. We've seen this with other brands. You know, we've seen this stuff with Nike. We've seen it with other corporations. Now, I, again, don't get me wrong. I know the people at the top of these companies, the corporate heads, the CEOs and all that crap, they're all woke as hell. And they think they're, oh, I'm going to make these decisions based upon my emotions. And it makes me feel good. I, I know that's there, but when you're talking about these large businesses like this, they, there's a sickness and they don't have a choice. I, again, I'm not defending them, but I'm going to explain to you how this happens. Have you ever heard of a CEI? A CEI is a corporate equality index. Now this corporate equality index, they come into your company you're a publicly traded company, but let's say you, you founded the company and you still own 51% of the shares, but you're a publicly traded company and it, it's your company, you control it, but they're going to come into your company, whether you like it or not, they will come in. These, this, it, it's part of the NGO money laundering scheme, right? These NGOs have the power of government, but 
absolutely no accountability. These are appointed bodies, appointed commissions, and they're non-government organizations, non-governmental organizations, but they still have all the power of government. Don't get me wrong. They still have the police powers. But it, <laughs> we'll talk about it. It's a way for, like we said, it's, it's money laundering. What you do is you set up one of these NGOs as a politician. You set the NGO up and you put your friends and family on the board. And then you get the government to fund the NGO. And then you get grants and, and raise funding because you need to fund this NGO. They're doing such good things, you know. Oh, oh yeah, they're, they're looking out for all the, the helpless people. So we got to throw piles of money at them, just like what I was talking about earlier. Millions of dollars get funneled through these NGOs. And for the most part, the, the salaries at the upper levels are unbelievable. You know, these board members and, and the, the chair people of these committees and the, the ones who work there, at these social justice warriors are getting exorbitant salaries because they're funded by government and there's no accountability, none whatsoever. They don't have to do good things. They can do whatever they want. They can further their ideals further their narratives through these NGOs, and there's nothing you can do to stop them because they're not elected. They're appointed people. The only thing you can do is get rid of all the swamp creatures that are elected, and hopefully those new people you put in are less corrupt, and they might actually affect some change at these NGOs. But it, that, that's what I'm saying. That these NGOs are nothing more than money laundering. So getting back to the CEI, if you want, or you don't have to want, you, you will get assigned a CEI, a, an equality index. The Human Rights Commission scores your CEI. These Human Rights Commissions are, again, set up by the state. They're NGOs. They're set up locally even. I, I saw in my area, there's cities that have human rights commissions. The Human Rights Commission comes along and says, well, you need to raise your CEI because it's not good enough. We don't think it's good enough. Your score is only 70 and we, we want it up into the 90s. Well, do you know how you get those scores? It's purely numbers, folks. Minorities, you, you have minorities working for you, minorities, women, people of color, any of those things raises your score. doesn't matter if that person does their job right or is competent. Just the fact that you have people of color will raise your CEI. And if you don't have a good CEI, they tell you, well, you need to get more. You need to get a better, better CEI. And, and hang on, I, I'll get to that of, of how they force you. Because if I was... If it was my company, like I was saying, you have a company, you still own 51%. You tell the guy, get out, take a flying leap, get, get out of my business. I got work to do, right? Well, hang on. I'll explain now. They, they won't do that. I got to tell you about this Human Rights Commission. The, the National Human Rights Commission, which kind of filters down throughout the states and the localities. The Human Rights Commission back in 2008 got a $25 million grant from the Open Society Foundation. Guess who funds the Open Society Foundation? 
I, I, I give you three guesses and the first two don't count. Yep. Our old buddy, George Soros, Joros, George Soros founded the open society foundation. And the Open Society Foundation is knee deep, neck deep in the World Economic Forum. And we all know where that's headed. So if you're not following George Soros' plan for socialism and, and all this crap and the social justice warriors, if you're not following that, you don't get money from George Soros Foundation stuff. You don't get money from the Open Society Foundation. So if you tell me for one second that the, the Human Rights Commission has anything other than social justice warrior on their mind, you're nuts. You don't get money from George Soros unless you're promoting this crap, this insanity, this, I, I can't take it. I, we, we all know George Soros is crooked and wants to destroy this nation. He wants to fundamentally change the country. In other words, he wants socialism. He has gone publicly before people saying when he was living socialist back in Nazi Germany, that was the best time of his life. It was the best under socialism. So, so don't, don't think for one second that this man does not love socialism. And he's trying to drive us there using his billions of dollars to drive us into socialism. And of course, the World Economic Forum, we've all talked about that. George Soros is, is right in there with Klaus Schwab. They're buddy buddies. Now, getting back to why Bushlight cares about the CEI and how this police state ties together. Have you ever heard of BlackRock? I think we've talked about BlackRock on here before. Um, BlackRock investments are... BlackRock Financial, I, I forget the exact name of it, but BlackRock Investment, they control trillions of dollars in investment money. Trillions. States have their pension funds wrapped up with BlackRock. Huge companies have their pensions wrapped up in BlackRock. 401k companies give BlackRock money to invest. Okay? They have trillions of dollars. And they're going to tell you if you don't raise your CEI, they won't buy your stock for their institutional investment portfolios. In other words, you get blacklisted by BlackRock. And Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock, is an insane socialist himself. I mean, he'll tell you he's a capitalist and he may kind of on the surface appear like a capitalist, but he has stated publicly that he prefers socialism to free societies. When he talks about investing, he, this is on video. He talks about how socialist com countries are far easier to invest because of the stability and that in free market economies, things are just too unpredictable. In other words, he can't be assured of making millions on every investment because it's unpredictable. It's a free market. Larry, go live in China. That's perfectly predictable for you. I promise I'm getting to why Bushlight cares about all this. Like I said, BlackRock tells you if you don't have a certain CEI, 
it, and this we talked about this with the ESG scoring. The CEI is is part of the ESG scoring, the Environmental Social Government. This is the, this is the social part of ESG. If you're you're talking about you got your environmental stuff, and, and that will help with your CEI a little bit because you're doing you know you're doing good things for the environment. So that's yeah, we're gonna bring your equality index up a little better. <laughs> so the ESG part, we've we've heard about this where Larry Fink and BlackRock will not buy, will not invest in companies that don't score high with the CEI or ES, their ESG stuff. That stuff's been in the news. So th- let's keep that part in there. Why does that matter? Why does why do companies care if BlackRock buys their stock? Well, I I don't know if you're aware, but stock uh, companies, publicly traded companies like Anheuser Busch and huge huge companies, you don't even have to be that big. You you can be a, a smaller company. When you become publicly traded, they release millions of shares of stock. There there's millions of shares. And even, even if those shares are only worth a dollar a piece, they, they release millions of them. And this is how companies raise money. When, when a company wants to expand or a company wants to you know, add on to their current facilities or if they want to buy new equipment or if they want to research and develop new products, they have a stock sale. And they use that money to build their company more, to make more money. You know, sometimes they need money to pay the bills, but if stockbrokers see that you need money to pay the bills and you're trying to sell stock to do that, your stock price isn't going to be worth very much. Generally speaking, stock sales are for expansion, growth, and things of that nature. At least they try to tell people that. They try to tell Wall Street that so they can get more money off the, off the stock sale. But these have, they have millions of shares. And I don't know if you buy stock. I do. I have investments in various stocks. I try to, I'm a very, very small player. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But when I buy stocks, I look at a company that I like, and I'll generally buy in the neighborhood of 100 shares. Oh, I like your company. Looks like you're doing good things. I'll take 100 shares. And I want that to go up. There's other ways to make money in the market, but we're just talking stocks here and very basic. So I buy 100 shares. Well, even if they're trying to sell a million, just 1 million shares, now, now understand BlackRock, they, when they come in with the institutional investments, they're buying thousands of shares, thousands and thousands. And heck, on some, in some cases, they might buy a million shares. So it's a hell of a lot easier to sell 1 million shares to one person than to try to get 10,000 people involved to buy 100 shares. It's just simpler. And also, when you see a large investor, an institutional investor come in and say, I believe in your company enough to put it in my portfolio, that gives everybody warm, fuzzy feelings, and the stock goes up when that happens. So when companies want their stock to go up, they want BlackRock to buy their stock. They want large institutional investors to buy their stock. That's how they make tons of money on a stock sale. So they got them over a barrel. 
They got their hands tied behind their back and saying, if you don't do what we say and bring your CEI index up, we're not going to buy your stock. It's the institutional, financial institutional police state. This is how they influence these companies. This is how they force their agenda into your bedrooms, into your homes, into every nook and cranny of your life. They are forcing that narrative in there. Using financial blackmail, financial coercion. It's how it's done. This this is just one arm in the power of our new modern police state. And if you dissent, if you speak out, if you use your God-given inalienable rights, you are a danger and you must be persecuted. They will come after your freedom. They will try to put you in jail and they will take your money. And I'm talking about you personally. I got to get really serious here. Let me grab a sip of water because this is crazy. I'm doing all the talking here. I'm used to other people talking. I get to have a sip. I got to take a sip. I'm sorry. It's nuts. I, I'm I'm talking about you and I got to get kind of serious because let, let's put these things together now. If they can spin up crazy charges and lie about someone with the financial resources like Trump, think what they can do to you. Think. They just made this stuff up out of thin air. The federal election officials said no crime was committed. But Bragg says, oh, it doesn't matter. We think there was one. So we're going to charge. We're going to say you committed these crimes in furtherance of another crime that was said very plainly did not exist. If they can influence Huge companies with multiple lawyers on staff, on retainer, and financially blackmail them into promoting a narrative, even if they don't agree with it, even if it does not reflect their brand, even if it does not reflect their customers' values, they can force this upon them by financially blackmailing them and restricting access to their financial resources, what do they think? What do you think they could do to you? Think about this. Think about this digital currency that's coming along. Think if you don't behave in a way that they feel is responsible and is good for the people and good for the environment and good for your fellow man, they are making these judgments. They are passing these condemnations on you. You are a conservative, so we don't feel you should have access to your funds. Do you, do you really think it's that far-fetched? I've just laid it out here, how they do this to massive corporations and how they are railroading Trump in a criminal persecution, political persecution, excuse me, If they can do that to those people, we have no defense, people. You and I have no defense against these things. 
We could not stop it. If a Bragg or Ellison comes after you and me, what are we to do? What are we to do? We're already in a police state, people. We need to speak loudly now. We need to be heard by people because it won't be long that our voices will be taken away. Up in Canada, they just passed a law, or I, I believe they passed, they're trying to pass a law that basically says you can't offend anybody. These protections against LGBTQRSTUV, I don't know all the damn letters. They're trying to protect these people from being offended. If you say something offensive, that is in the law. If you say something offensive, you can be fined $25,000 and thrown in jail for speaking offensively. I'm not even exaggerating here, people. I'm not speaking in hyperbole. I'm not being hyperbolic. That's what I'm trying to say. This is real. This is what they're trying to say, that you can't offend people. Because offending people is now a hate crime, evidently. I, I, I got to kind of reinforce what I've said in weeks past now. When you, when you start thinking about all these things, this, this is why we need kind of like our own economy. You and I, conservatives, people that, that have values— and we value things like hard work and family. We value our sons and daughters. We value our mothers and fathers. We value our spouse. We value our jobs. We value our homes and the, the lives that we are building for ourselves. These, these are not insane values. These are not just Christian uh, conservative values. I mean, I, these are most sane people's values, the normal uh critically thinking people have these same values as you and I, but people who have those kind of values, we need to create an alter economy. We need to get away from the economy of these nut bags. We need to get into an economy where we are using cash with our local businesses, shop locally, use cash, do business with people, you know, this, the, the guy that owns the hardware store in town, I know him. Uh, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. He's got great kids. I know him. I like him. I want to give my money to that guy. And I want to use cash when I do it because I know what he pays in bank fees. He's told me about it. Every time I use a little plastic card, the bank gets a cut. Well, guess what? I bring cash now. I'm using cash. These kind of things all help. We have to cut off the financial resources for the people that hate us. We have to cut off the financial resources to these huge banks and investment companies that are using that money to come after us. We need to cut that off. We need to dry up their supply. I do business with companies that like America, not hate us. If Larry Fink and his companies can influence people because they don't think they're woke enough, and they don't score high enough on the CEI, I don't care. 
I'm not going to support, give my money and endorse those companies that bow down at the feet of Larry Fink and George Soros and the CEI, the Human Rights Commission, and these these nice sounding titles that make you think that, oh, they're doing good things. They're not doing good things, people. They are actively working every day to change this country into a socialist police state. There's just no two ways about it. There is no argument that you can make to convince me of anything else than we are living in a police state today. The biggest question I get from people is, what do we do? What do we do? What should I do? We can't do anything. We, oh, we can't. There's nothing we can do anymore. Yes, there is. This is. These are the things we talk about all the time. You get involved locally, you get involved with your neighbors. You get to know the hardware store owner. You get to know the local grocery store owner. You get to know these people. And you understand that just by you endorsing their business, utilizing their business, using cash, all of those things, they all make a difference. Because if we can starve these people of their resources, we can start to affect change. And then it, it's not just that. We also have to vote, right? We've got to continue participating in the vote. Wow. There's a lot. A lot going on there tonight. I can't believe I actually got through all this in under an hour. Not too bad. I guess Jesse and Angelica are busy on their, their vacation. They didn't call. That's all right, though. You guys, if you're watching, you stay on vacation. Don't worry about us. Becky, appreciate you watching, watching and your comments. And it, for all you guys, other people out there, I, I know you're watching. I see people watching on Rumble and Facebook. Everybody's too quiet. I Come on. This is a two-way street. I want to hear it. I want to hear from both, everybody. I promised some big news earlier. I am working on... Uh, getting our show in a podcast format. I know there's a lot of people that I talk to. They send me emails to tell me, hey, love your show. Can't catch it on Friday night. I can't, I, I don't have the time to sit and watch the video, but I'm listening to you. I, I put it on on Rumble and I, I listen on my drive to work or I'm listening on my headsets. So I'm trying to get us into a, a podcast format where I'm just taking the audio from the shows here. And I'll take the audio and I'll just, we're going to release it on podcasts. So you'll be able to get it wherever you get your podcasts, your favorite podcast provider. Our, our show is going to be on that. So you can listen to us in podcast format. Don't get me wrong. I want you here at the show. I want you at the live because this, I love the two-way interaction. I love the comments from you and, and we can feel like we're having a conversation, right? We can talk about all these facts, but I know there's some of you that can't be here on Friday nights. So we're going to get us on podcasts. I'm really excited. I'm thinking early next week after the Easter holiday here. We're going to be, we're going to get us on to all these podcast outlets and uh, you'll be able to be able to pick up the show that way. Like I said, it's Easter weekend. Sunday is, is the day our Lord rose again from the grave and forgave my sins and yours. And so we'll be, I'll be celebrating that with my friends and family on Sunday it's uh, one of the most wonderful days of the year as a Christian. And also we're in the Passover 
for the Jewish people. And uh, just just want to say happy Easter. I thank you all for being here with me and allowing me to ramble on and go through this. Hopefully, I've given you some facts, given you some information, stuff you can mm-hmm. think about. Yeah. Contact us anytime. We're available at the show at graymatters.tv. The show at graymatters.tv. Email comes to all three of us. We'll read it. Maybe we'll read it on the air if it's a good question. Otherwise, thanks again for subscribing. Thanks for your support. We do appreciate you. Jesse and Angelica be back next week. And we'll be back here next Friday. Same time, same place. 7.30 p.m. on the Central Time. For those of you, uh, others, you can uh, you can figure out the time change if you're not in the Central Time. It's, uh, what, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, 5.30 out on the left coast, right? Morehouse, glad to see you. Thanks for the comments. <laughs> Cultural Marxist, no doubt. I, I hear you. Let's, let's get rid of them. Appreciate you. Bye-bye.